Amen. What a thought. Wrap our injured flesh around you. Isn't that what Christ did? Good to see you here tonight. Appreciate you coming out on a winter's night where it gets a little bit darker, a little bit earlier. I know all of our folks can't do that, and so I appreciate the ones who are able to come. Uh, kind of have a double feature tonight. You get a little bit of a treat before I preach. Amen. Uh, we're going to hear from one of our missionaries, uh, Brother Wayne and Miss Barbara Voss, that have served out of Central Baptist Church, not out of our church, but as missionaries from our church now for a long time. I asked him, I said, how long have we supported you as a missionary up to the Flathead Indian Reservation in Montana? He says, well, it was under Brother Williams that we took him on and in the old building. And so some of you who've been around here a little longer than I have could kind of calculate how long that has been. But we had the privilege of serving with him for about a week last year in the summer. Got to go up there and see the work and serve alongside of them. And uh, if you've never been to an Indian reservation and uh, and seen the difference in the culture, you would you'd probably think that they're very similar because they're in the continental United States, but the culture is quite different uh, up there. And uh, sometimes it's difficult to make inroads with the gospel, and they've served faithfully up there in St. Ignatius, uh, Montana, for many years. And the Lord's moved them around a little bit here in the last uh, last few months. And uh, we're going to hear from him tonight, get a report from him before uh, the message. The good news is the longer he tells you about what God's doing, uh, the less time I have to preach. So you might want to smile and pay attention and uh, hear what God's doing up there. He told me they got out just before the snow. And I says, well, you got here just before the snow, amen, because we're waiting for it any day. Uh, but Lord willing, I, I hope you'll be blessed by hearing how God is using him up in Montana. Let's welcome him to the pulpit tonight. Thank you. Well, it's a joy for Barbara and I to be here. Barbara, why don't you stand up? My wife, uh, we've been married for 52 years now. Uh, just thank the Lord for her. You can be seated. <clears throat> but uh, let me first start off with where we started. Uh, I was saved in Rota, Spain. Uh, in 1971, Barbara was saved in uh, July of that same year. Uh, both of us, I was stationed in the U.S. Navy in Jacksonville, Florida. And uh, we were both baptized on the same day. A couple of years later, in Road of Spain again, the Lord called me to preach. And then uh, in 1974, I started Bible College, finished that, 78. And we became landed immigrants in Canada in 1979. Uh, we spent 21 years in Canada and left behind a, uh, a son and a daughter uh, and their families, seven grandkids now and one great-grandson. But um, we're, in, we're in the great state of Montana. Usually when people come our way and uh, they come to the church that we attend uh, on a fairly regular basis in Missoula, Montana, we uh, introduce ourselves and say, welcome to America. Uh, there's two states in the United States that have said to be the most patriotic, and one of those is Montana. Uh, we're just thankful for that state, and we're part of, you know, part of it. It's just amazing how God put us there. But we've been in Montana now um, about 21 years, I think. I pastored in Great Falls, Montana, uh, the Calvary Baptist Indian Church at that time. Now it's taken over by, I turned it over to a, a man who had been in the area for quite a while. It attended Mountain States Baptist College there and uh, he took it brother art hernandez the church is doing great we were just there i think uh in october 
and they're running between 60 and 100 people on a regular basis. We praise the Lord for that work. Well, we moved to the Flathead Indian Reservation. Well, there's, I guess there's a lot that could be said about that reservation. There's 29,000 people on it approximately, and only 5,100 people are Native American. And you have to think about that. Uh, most of them are non-natives, and the reason is is because in the, uh, the late 1800s, the government said you've got too much land, and so you have to let that land out for homesteading. Well, you can only imagine uh, the feelings of animosity that the Native people have there. We've been on several reserves, uh, reservations, reserves in Canada, reservations in the States, and we have uh, never been to a place like the Flathead Reservation. We've had the most difficult time trying to get to know people and get to close to people. We've been trying to establish relationships since we've been there uh, since 2015. So we've been there almost eight years, and it's been a slow process. But the breakthrough, at least in some communities, was when the group from Central here came down there, and there were, what, uh, 12 or 16 kids that accepted Christ as their Savior. Well, since then, we've had some others who have been saved, too. And just recently, uh, I met a lady um, who, who started coming to the new church plant. Maybe you've read about that or heard about it. It started in March of this year, very close to where we live. Barbara and I have been helping the pastor of that church to distribute flyers and, and get the word out and try to reach people with the gospel there. That's part of what we're doing right now. But besides that, we have our video bus, which uh, is kind of an unusual thing. It's different, but the Lord has used it, and we continue to use that. We'll take the bus into a Native American community, set it up, uh, show a video, a very short video, gospel video, and then invite the, the kids to accept Christ as their Savior. Uh, we've, I, I think we've had a total of four uh, that have accepted Christ, which doesn't seem like a lot, but we're just thankful for the four. But we're, we're, we're in the process of building relationships with those people on that reservation. God has blessed us with some staple foods that we gave out, uh, some bread from Panera Bread that we've distributed on the reserve a couple of times. So there's a lot that we're trying to do to try to build relationships and be able to break down some of those barriers that are there as a result of the animosity that people have in their hearts towards non-native people. I, I remember we were out visiting and I had a Native American man who was with me from Wisconsin. And uh, or Michigan, he was um, he's Chippewa, and he and I were out doing some door knocking, and uh, we came on one particular uh, house, and as we were there talking to this man, he just got irate. He started cursing both of us, and uh, even though this man was Native American, they still didn't like him because he's not from that reservation, so. You can only imagine the, the process that we're going through to try to reach these people with the gospel. Please pray for us. Uh, when you can, we have some, some prayer cards with us. If you don't have a prayer card, an update prayer card, we do have some that you're 
you can have. And uh, please keep us on your prayer list, if you will. Another part of our ministry is we are uh, in Baptist International Missions. We have a, um, a kind of a portion of the missionaries that with BIMI that are called ARM, and that's Assist Relieve Missionaries. So there's occasions that we're asked to go out and to help another missionary or someone to relieve a pastor or something, and that's something that we've been doing too over the years. But right now, Barb and I are on furlough. We'll be here in the states, probably or in the, probably this part of the country, this southern part of the states, until uh, March or April before we head back. And that's just when the snow starts to melt. So <clears throat> we're kind of uh, kind of missing the whole thing, which is which is kind of nice, I suppose. But uh, do pray for us. We appreciate your faithful support. It's a blessing, and we thank you so much for it. Uh, God has been so good to us while we've been on the road. It's just amazing how the Lord has provided for us and met all of our needs uh, beyond my expectation. Actually, when I started the furlough, we were we were uh, I'd already lined up quite a few of the meetings, and then the fuel prices started going up because we pull a fifth wheeler, and the prices started going up. I decided. Well, I don't know if this is what the Lord wants me to do, so I started canceling meetings. I only got three canceled. One of those that I tried to cancel, I should say, he said, Brother Voss, I want you to come. I want you to come. Don't cancel. He said, please come. Well, we did, and I think the Lord was in it. I praise God for his goodness and his direction, all of this. But uh, just in that church, the... Um, uh, once the offerings and everything were in for the missions conference, the check that they presented to us supplied all of the finances for the whole trip. So the Lord's been good to us. Keep us in your prayers. And again, thank you so much for uh, sending your group up there. That was a great help. And if that's possible again, we could use them again. We have our community Bible times or like a vacation Bible school in the summer. And we try to have a different group in each summer so that they can get uh, uh, involved with native work. And who knows, but the Lord might call some into full-time service through that. But uh, pray about this summer. We've got a, a Native American, Brother Gary Locklear, who is a Lumbee uh, uh, Indian from North Carolina, who is uh, trying to work it out so he can bring a group this summer. So pray with us about that. A lot to be prayed for. Thank you again, and God bless you. Pastor.
Amen. I'll tell you, I've been on a lot of Indian reservations in my ministry, and uh, that was probably the toughest one we've ever been to before, to where there was so much resistance to the gospel. And uh, I remember on several of the clubs that we had there on the reservation, the first day, uh, no one came out. Uh, none of the kids came out, none of the adults came out. They were very resistant to people that were of the non-native uh, background. And uh, I remember one particular, we stopped and we just prayed and said, Lord, we've come a long way. And uh, we need you to open up a door for us. And a few minutes later, there was a little kid come to the hedge bushes, and they went and got another friend. And before all said and done, there was a lot of young people, especially uh, young people who had a mom and dad come to the club, and they received Christ as their Savior. So pray for them as they're up there. It's a lot of work. It's very hard trying to win over people that may not be as receptive uh, as here in the South sometimes people are. I'm thankful most of the time I don't get cussed out. I knock on the door. People are usually very welcoming and very kind. But up there, they have a very tough job. So you pray for them, and perhaps one day we can take another group up there to spend some time uh, helping them build and helping them grow. And uh, I assure you, you won't find much of a prettier view than what you find when you wake up in the morning up there. Uh, the guys that went up with us, they stayed in a canvas tent out there in the yard. The girls stayed in a log cabin, and you wake up in the mornings, this beautiful sunrise uh, over the mountains, and that's kind of a view that you usually have to pay a lot of money for, and they just have it for free up there. It just doesn't seem fair, does it, uh, that we're stuck with the pine trees down here, and they have a beautiful view up there, but pray for them. Great place, great opportunity, and we pray the Lord continues to use them. Let's take our Bibles out tonight, turn to the New Testament, to the book of Luke. <clears throat> the book of Luke chapter number one and when you find it let's go ahead and stand together uh, I remember one of our clubs uh, we were there but the boss was telling us he says please be careful out here in this area and I was thinking yeah probably some gangs around there or uh, you know maybe some unsavory characters and little did I know we would encounter a problem at that particular club down the street that we have never had before and it was grizzly bears he says be careful of grizzly bears and I says, are you kidding? He says, no, there's really grizzly bears around here. And I'm thinking, well, that wouldn't look good, you know, to leave with 12 kids and come back with 10 kids and say, hey, we lost a few because of grizzly bears. And sure enough, one morning before the club, the club was in the afternoon, uh, the uh, fish and game had to come out and shoot a grizzly bear out of a tree at one of the clubs that we were at. Uh, I really wish they would have let me shoot it because I wanted to put it in my office, but they didn't, they didn't really want to adhere to that. But pray for them. Pray for the uh, folks that are trying to reach up there that they'd have a lot of fruit to the glory of God. Luke chapter number one, we're going to jump right in and uh, make the most of the time we have tonight. Uh, we're going to pick up, um, i tell you what, let's pick up, look down to verse number five. That'll help us get uh, in here a little quicker, and then we'll pray and let you be seated. The Bible says there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abia, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. And they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren, and they were both, they were both were now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. 
But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Let's pray together. Father, thank you again for your word. I pray in the time that we have tonight, you'd help us share the message and give the burden, Father, that you've given to us tonight. I pray that, Father, you would help us, Lord, during the invitation time, uh, just to heed your will, whatever that may be. And, Lord, I pray you'd make it clear through your preaching for us in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Obviously, going into this Christmas season in earnest, we're thinking a lot about and reading a lot about these Christmas accounts, I'm sure, in your personal devotions, maybe your family devotions, and we were reading through Luke and ours the other night before we went to bed and reading about Zechariah and Elizabeth. Uh, it's amazing as you begin reading the accounts in the Gospels of the birth of Christ, and obviously we're reading about John the Baptist here tonight, that you see this beautiful story that God stitches together through the different accounts in Scripture. Now, it's amazing as we read these accounts in Luke and in Matthew, uh, what's amazing is that God had every opportunity uh, to pick the narrative to pick the characters, and to pick the script on how his son was going to be born. You think about it. He's God Almighty. He's the one writing this story. And he could have picked anyone that he wanted, any way that he wanted. And what's amazing is the different people that he chose to use that are going to help usher in the birth of his son and ultimately our Savior. You look at it tonight. Now, you think about the God of heaven. If it were you and I picking the characters for uh, this script that's going to be written to introduce our son to the world, uh, we'd probably pick A-list actors or well-known people of notoriety. What's amazing when you read these accounts is you'll see that we have characters that go from shepherds to wise men. Uh, you'll see that we have people of renown such as kings and priests, and then we have people that aren't even named and unknown that are part of this story. Now, as we read this tonight, we're going to focus in on two of them, and we're going to try to see why we believe that God decided to use Zacharias and Elizabeth uh, in this story. Uh, as we read some things about them in our family devotions the other night, I began to notice some character traits that I believe are why God chose to use them and to be part of this story. Uh, now, folks, God preserved this for us tonight uh, for us to learn from. These are written for our admonition that we might glean from it and learn a little bit more about the heart of God. One of the things I think we're going to see tonight, a common denominator in the people that God used in this account, you're going to find out that these people were servants. And that's what we're going to look at here for a few minutes tonight, uh, a message entitled Servants in the Christmas Story servants in the Christmas story. Now, I don't believe it's a mistake that God chose Zacharias and Elizabeth. Uh, I believe the reason that he used them in such a mighty way to be the parents that would usher in John the Baptist, who would be the forerunner of Christ. I believe the reason he used them is because they were just that. They were servants. Now, we know that God puts a premium on that. Matthew 20, 26, the Bible says, But it shall not be so among you, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. I want you to know tonight, servanthood is a far cry from what the world would deem a status symbol. Who volunteers to be a servant? 
Uh, who wants to be the person that is behind the scenes working to make sure everything happens? And yet we see that in God's value system, it is servanthood that God exalts. And I believe that's why God used these two people we're going to see and learn about here tonight. And I'm going to give you three things rather quickly. Uh, you hang on and we'll keep up with the Holy Spirit. And you try to keep up with me. And we're going to see why God used these two people to be so instrumental in helping bring about the story. Story that would introduce his son. So notice the Bible gives us a good bio on them. Uh, the Bible says in verse number five, he was a priest named Zacharias of the course of Abia, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron. But look at verse number six, if you will. God didn't have to give us all of this detail, but I believe he's doing it on purpose to help us understand why he's using them in the capacity that he is. Verse six, watch what it says. And they were both righteous before God walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. Now, what a testimony that God recognized them and how they were living. The Bible says, before the Lord. The Bible says that when God looked down and saw Zacharias and Elizabeth, there were some things about their life that he noticed, and I believe they were areas that God used them and wants to use us. Number one tonight, verse number six, I believe it shows us this. It shows us they served God in their walk. They served God in their walk. The Bible says they were both righteous before God. And then notice that word, walking. Walking. Now, evidently, God was paying attention to how they lived their life. Now, folks, I know we don't hear a lot about this in society today. We pretty much can go and come as we please and live the way we'd like to live. But notice God was paying attention to their walk. Now, here we are in the South. Uh, I mean, in the South, we know in our, our lingo and our dialect all the right things to say to make us sound spiritual, right? Uh, bless your heart, you know. Uh, we know all of those things that we need to say to make us sound spiritual, but I hate to tell you, God's not listening to our talk tonight. God is looking at our walk. You say, how do you know that? Because he pointed it out in verse number six. The Bible says, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. You know what that tells me tonight? That tells me that God can tell a difference in what we say and how we live. That tells me that God is paying attention that how we live our lives really does matter to him. I'll tell you an interesting, uh, interesting account that I experienced yesterday. Uh, we went to the mall. I rarely go to the mall, but went to the mall yesterday to do a little early Christmas shopping. And my wife says they have three wick candles on sale at uh, Bed Bath & Beyond or Bath & Body, one of those beds and bath and body places. Uh, body Works, that was the place in the mall yesterday. And uh, evidently, three wick candles are a big deal because there's a line to get in there to get those candles. Now, at first, I wasn't interested. Uh, I'm excited when she gets excited about a sale until, Brother Monroe, I found out they have a honey bacon candle or a maple bacon candle. A candle that smells like bacon. They're smart. They know how to get the men in there, right? Uh, and then they had one that smells like bread. It's called French baguette. I'm thinking, get those for my office. Wouldn't it be great just to sit in the office, read the Word of God, and smell bacon and bread all day? I don't know that it could get much better than that. Uh, after a while, it got a little bit crowded, so I decided to go sit down uh, just in a, a nondescript chair right there in the mall. I sat down and just started looking over a Christmas list on my phone, and a few minutes later, this man brings a karaoke machine and sets it right in front of me. I'm beginning to think to myself, well, that's strange. 
And people came and started sitting by me. Little did I realize, little did I know, I had a front row seat right smack dab in the middle for a dance performance that was about to take place in Turtle Creek Mall. And uh, I was trying to think, how do I get myself out of here? Because I'm sure the news is going to show up, and there's Pastor Andrews on the front row for the dance performance there in Hattiesburg. And uh, I just don't need that kind of press in my life, to be honest with you. And so I'm sitting there thinking, all right, I don't just want to walk off in a huff. And while I'm sitting there, this other lady comes and sits beside me with her child. And oh, she was mad. Oh, she was mad. And she was talking to her friend. And you know what she was mad about? She said, I just can't believe that I saw my child's elementary teacher in the bar the other night. I sat there and began thinking, did I hear what I just thought I heard? She was just outraged that she saw her child's elementary teacher in a bar the other night. And I'm thinking to myself, am I just loony or something? But I think there's something wrong with you for being in the bar the other night, not just your child's elementary school teacher. But we've gotten to a place in our country to where morality doesn't matter anymore, that as long as we know how to say the right things, our walk really doesn't matter. Can I tell you, it still matters to God. And if we desire to be used of God as Zechariah and Elizabeth, we've got to pay attention to our walk. Now, watch what it says in verse 6. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. Now, what part of their walk was God noticing? Well, he tells us in great detail. They were both righteous before God. Righteous before God. The definition of the word righteous is moral uprightness or spiritual virtue. Moral uprightness or spiritual virtue. Notice that God was using people whose walk was righteous. That tells us that it matters to God. This morning in our Sunday school class, we were looking at 2 Peter, where the Bible says we are given precious promises, that we are given all things to pertain to life. And we're given all of these things from God, and how often are we given things to add to our faith that we never open? Think about Christmas gifts. When you get a gift, you're going to open it, right? And you get that gift, and man, you're excited to have that, and yet God's given us the opportunity for virtue and knowledge and temperance and patience, and oftentimes we never open those gifts. We focused on virtue for a few minutes this morning in our class and began talking about why virtue is so important. Why did he say add to your faith virtue first? Why did he put virtue first? Because it matters so much. Do you know without virtue all of those other graces that God gives us are undermined? That's how important virtue is. We have the foundation of our faith. That's important. you got to have that. You can't build without a foundation. And then after we get the foundation, he says, add to your faith what? Virtue, moral uprightness, spiritual integrity. Why? Because everything else is going to be built upon that. And if we don't have virtue and righteousness and integrity, everything else is going to erode. Is that not what Paul told Timothy? That when we purge ourselves, we become a vessel, meat for the master's use. Why was Zachariah and Elizabeth used of God? They were righteous. Doesn't mean they were perfect, but it means they had virtue in their life. This is what God noticed. Number one, they were servants, and they served God in their walk. I was reading Proverbs 31 just this afternoon. Think about the first accolade that the Proverbs 31 woman had. Who can find a virtuous woman. That was verse 10. That was number one. 
That was number one. Now, you're going to read a lot of awesome stuff about that awesome lady in, in Proverbs 31. But the very first thing that was mentioned was what? Virtue. She did all the other things she did. She was all that she was because at very first she was virtuous. That's why God included her story. Now, I don't know about you. I've said this a lot to a lot of people lately. Oh, I want to be used in God's story, don't you? I want to be used of God. I want to be somebody that God uses in his story. And watch this. God's no respecter of persons. All right? You can be a shepherd. You can be a king. You can be a priest. You can be a somebody that nobody doesn't even know your name. But if we have virtue, oh, God pays, pays attention to that, and God desires to use that. Keep reading in verse 6. We'll hurry. The Bible says they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord. Watch this. Blameless. Blameless. Their walk was righteous, and then their walk was blameless. Now, look, don't go down the road of someone who thinks that means not without sin. They were blameless. They had no sin in their life. What it means was they were beyond reproach. They were beyond reproach. They had lived a life that would not draw shame to them or to the Lord. Now, can I tell you something? It's hard to live that life. It's hard to live that life. Where you're living a life where you're walking so circumspectly that you're not giving the enemies of God any ammunition to use against you or the Lord. That's hard. You don't think so? Try it tomorrow. You'd be amazed at before lunch how many instances you're going to have to cast a shadow on the name of God. It's amazing. Whether it be in our attitude or our words or our decisions, maybe even things we omit. What did it say? Give an example. Philippians chapter 2, the Bible says, Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Now, what does God want us to do? He wants us to shine. He wants us to shine. That's what we're here to do is to shine. And yet when we live a life where we have things in our life that we know that don't need to be there, you know what we cast? Instead of casting a light, we cast a shadow. You ever wonder why so many people can't see God in America anymore? Because instead of shining, we are casting a shadow. Something has come between us and the light in our life, and that's creating a shadow. So number one, these were servants that God used. How did God use them? And why did God use them? Because they served God in their walk. The second thing, look down, if you will, to verse 7. The Bible says, and they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren. And they were both now, both were now well stricken in years. And it came to pass, while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. Now, what we're reading here tonight isn't some mundane religious ritual that he's doing. If you go back up and you read verse number 5, you see where he was from, the course of Abia, his wife, the daughters of Aaron. They were part of that priesthood. That was in their family lineage. The Bible says he was in that family division of Abia. There was a course in which he would serve the Lord in that work there that was of the temple. Now, what is he doing when God calls out to him? And God sends the angel to speak to him. He's serving faithfully to his calling. He's serving faithfully in his calling. Number two tonight, notice they were servants that serve God in their place. They were servants that serve God in their place. Now, all too often in Scripture, 
the common denominator to God's favor, we've talked about this a lot lately, is faithfulness. That's the common denominator to God's favor. It is faithfulness. Now, what do we see? God is going to use somebody to bring about John the Baptist, and he looks down and he sees Elizabeth and Zechariah, and what are they doing? They are serving faithfully in their place. Watch what verse 5 says. Verse 5 says, it was a priest, Zacharias, of the course of Abia. She was of the daughters of Aaron. The Bible says in verse 5, while he executed the priest's office, he was busy in his place being faithful to the will of God for his life. I'll tell you, folks, there's an important little line in there I want you to see between verse 8 and verse 9. The Bible says, in the order of his course, his course. You know what Zechariah was doing in New Testament terms? He was running his race. He said, this is my race. This is my course. What does verse 9 say? According to the custom of the priest's office, his lot. His lot. Do you know in the world, do you know what the world looks at as something worth praising? It's first place, Right? Uh, I haven't got into soccer yet, but I know there's a lot of people down today because America did not finish in first place in soccer. I don't even think we were in Brother AJ 10th place, Brother AJ just shaking his head. Probably even lower than that. And all these people are mad because that's a failure. You didn't finish in first place. Can I tell you what God regards in the life of his children? It's not first place. It's your place. Just being in your place. He said, well, I've got to be the best, and I've got to know everything, and I've got to be in charge. No, 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 no. God wants you to serve in your course, in your place, in your lot, in what God puts you here to do. It doesn't matter if it's plunging toilets, cutting the church grass. It doesn't matter if it's running a church bus. Hey, find your course, find your place, and serve God faithfully. Why? Because that's the people that God includes in his stories. He looks down. He says, all right, this guy down here, what's he doing? Well, verse 8 says... While he executed the priest's office. Can I just give you my opinion? I'll try not to do that behind the pulpit too often, but let me give you my opinion. I kind of feel like if old Zacharias was at home sitting in his lazy boy waiting for God to use him, the odds are God was not going to use him. Just sitting around waiting for God to discover my great talent. I'd be the perfect person to, uh, to be the dad of John the Baptist, the forerunner of Christ. I just wonder why God hasn't chosen me. Maybe because you're not running your course. Maybe because you're not serving in your place. Maybe because you haven't accepted your lot, whatever. Hey, sometimes the lots are good. Sometimes the lots are hard. The most important thing to God is that we be faithful in the lot and the course that God's given us. The song we sing about it, you can't help but think about it, uh, when we're talking about lots as it is well with my soul. Well, when that song was written, his lot was not an easy one, was it? It wasn't watching his, his daughters go on to be with the Lord, and yet he says, whatever my lot. I believe that's the definition of biblical contentment. Whatever my lot, Lord, whatever my course is, whether it's good, and thank God for the good days that our courses are easy, whether it's bad. Everything seems to be going wrong. Hey, this is my lot. Yours is your lot. Serve faithfully where God would have you to. Why? Because I believe God uses people who serve in their place. If you take some time to do it, maybe when you get home, if you feel like studying your Bible after Sunday, uh, you'll find that these priests had this order. They had a place. They had a duty. They had a time. 
When you look up at verse number 5, and verse 5 says, of the course of Abia, they had family divisions. When they had a place to be, they had a job to do, they knew their place, their course, their time, their lot, and Zacharias was faithful to that. You know what, I believe when God started looking for someone to use, he looked for people that were where they were supposed to be. Think about that. He used people who were where they were supposed to be. There's Zacharias. He's on his course. He's in the right place at the right time doing the right job. Now, folks, that ought to encourage us tonight. God wasn't shopping for servants in the first place. He was shopping for servants that were in their place. Remember in Judges, we talked about it on Wednesday night a few weeks ago. Those 300 men surrounded the enemy. What does it say? That great victory that God wrought through Gideon. The Bible says every man stood in his place. Every man stood in his place. Every Christian in here tonight, you have a place. You have a place. You have a course. You have a lot that God has bestowed upon you. And we're sitting around and we're wondering, I don't like this lot. Could I trade my lot with somebody else? I had someone in my office this week, we were talking about our values in ministry and things that God uses different people for. Uh, look, there are other values I wish I had in my life. There are other lots that maybe I've coveted in my ministry. I'm just being honest with you tonight. But after a while, you realize, God, this is where you place me to do this job at this place at this time, and you accept your lot. You accept your lot. Young person, listen to me. Whatever your lot is, be faithful to it. Whatever your lot is, whatever your course is, just run it right now. I promise you, if God gets to looking for somebody to run a different race, he's going to pick the people who are already running in their place, like Zechariah. So number two, why did God use these servants? Well, they served God in their place. And finally, last thing, <clears throat> look down, if you will, verse 14. <clears throat> the angel appears, and the angel begins telling him, well, pick up in verse 13. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Now we read where they were older in age, and she was barren. She was beyond, and they were beyond childbearing years. I don't know how old that is, and I'm not going to get in trouble by pretending to know. But evidently, Zacharias kept praying. True? Because the angel says in verse 13, the angel said unto him, fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. Here's what's amazing. Not only was God paying attention to his walk, God was paying attention to his service. And now we see in verse 13, we'll close out on this one, God was paying attention to his prayer. Now, why is this important? Well, evidently, Zacharias was praying for a child, and even though it's long past time, he was just faithful to keep praying. He just believed in God that much. To be beyond childbearing years and just to keep praying. Notice number three. I believe this is one of the keys tonight in why God chose to use them. They serve God in their faith. They serve God in their faith. It's amazing to think here they are beyond childbearing years. The odds are against them, would you say? The odds were against them. Honey, we're past childbearing years. Look, I'm 42, and I feel like I'm past that, all right? Don't pray for me. I'm good. I'm good. I've been forgotten how to do all of that stuff, and to be honest with you, I don't want to learn it in my old age. If that's the Lord's will, if that's my lot, I'll take it. If that's my course, I'll run it. They were beyond 42, I assure you. But he kept praying. What was he doing? He was simply having faith. 
Isn't that what Hebrews 11 says faith is? Substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I don't see how this is going to happen. We're on up in our years. But he just kept praying. That was how much faith that he had in God. Can I tell you God can use a faith that you hold on to when you can't see the answer? God can use that. As a matter of fact, I don't know if we're really having faith anymore until we get to the place where we don't see the answer. We live in this land of opportunity called America. I mean, we have such liberty and pro- such prosperity. There's very little that we actually need nowadays. I'm not talking about things we want. I'm talking about things we need. When was the last time you had to pray for something where the answer was not there? When was the last time you prayed for something that you didn't have the answer to personally and you couldn't fix it yourself? Oh, that's when you begin to step out on thin air and trust God to do what only God could do. That's what he was doing. God, I know we're past childbearing years, but we just have faith that you could do it if you wanted to. That's what God's looking for, I believe, in our country. I believe, I believe God could turn Central Baptist Church upside down and Hattiesburg upside down if we just had some folks who were willing to serve God with their faith and to trust God for something beyond themselves. I, I believe with all of my heart tonight, there's going to come a time in your walk with God where there's going to be an answer that you need and you don't have it. And you've got to decide, am I going to give up or am I just going to be faithful to trust a God who can make it happen anyway? That's what's going to make the difference whether God uses you or not. That you can trust him for something that you genuinely cannot see. We read in the New Testament about the woman who had the issue of blood. Why did she reach out to touch the hem of his garment? Well, she just in a mad dash trying to catch him and hopefully she can catch him and beg him. She says, no, she said within herself, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. You know what that was? That was faith. There wasn't like this healing button on the hem of his garment. If I can just reach the healing button. No, she said, hey, and maybe if I can just touch the hem of his garment, that his virtue would make me whole. What a faith. What a faith. She fought through the whole crowd to get to where Christ was. What a faith. And oh, God used her story, didn't he? Why did Noah build this big old boat out in the middle of nowhere? Well, he simply built what he believed. He built what he believed. All right, God, you said build it. I'm going to build it. You said build it this big. I'm going to build it this big. He simply had faith. And I believe God recorded Noah's story in here. Folks, we're looking toward a new year if the Lord should tarry. And oh, I wish you could find and fulfill whatever the story is God has. What does God want to do with you? How does God want to use you? I promise you tonight, God's going to be looking for servants who serve God in their walk, not their talk. Who were just like Zacharias, who just was righteous before God and and walked in the commandments and the ordinances of the Lord blameless. Said, I'm just going to serve God in my walk. I'm going to be faithful. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm just going to be faithful to what God said do and how God said live. And then I'm going to serve God in my place. I'm going to serve God in my place. I'm going to find my lot. I'm going to find my course. And I'm going to serve God faithfully in that. Hey, why? Because that's what God has put on my plate. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul. Let it be well with us. Whatever God puts on our plate. And then finally, I'm going to serve God in my faith. How exciting it is when God answers a prayer that was beyond you. You know, we pray for things, and yet we have resources oftentimes within our reach. And sometimes we have the ability to answer our own prayers sometimes. 
but oh, that we would trust God beyond anything we could reach on our own to lead someone to Christ, to be more faithful than we were last year. I believe those are the kind of people that God are looking for. I believe tonight God showed us a couple of servants here in this Christmas story. But I believe tonight we have an opportunity to be servants in whatever story God wants to write now. But the question is, are we willing to serve in our walk, to serve in our place, and to serve through our faith? Our heads are bowed tonight. Our eyes are closed. Let's stand together. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. And I assure you that if you're using the world's measuring stick for usefulness, you're probably not going to fit very well into God's. God's looking for people that will be servants. I'm willing to serve God. I'm going to serve God in my walk. I'm not going to talk about it as much. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to serve God and walk in God's ways and his ordinances and be blameless before God. I, Lord, help me tonight not to give anyone anything to say against God or his church. God, help me be faithful in my walk. Maybe tonight you need to ask God to help you to be faithful in your place. I'm not just talking about in the chair that you sit in at church. I'm talking about serving God. What was Zacharias doing? He was busy serving. And when God looked for a servant, Zacharias was where he was supposed to be. Are you faithful tonight to serve in your place? And then maybe tonight you've got to learn to serve God beyond yourself. You say, well, there's just no way that's going to happen. There's no way that, uh, that this can take place in this world, the way we can have revival. Why don't you serve God with your faith and trusting for something that seems so far out of reach that only God could do it. Those are the type of servants tonight that God's looking for. Father God, I thank you tonight for the example of Zacharias, uh, Father and Elizabeth. And Lord, I know that we can go and read about Zacharias later to where he doubted as, Lord, we will, regardless of how often we set our hearts to be faithful uh, Lord, we're going to fail and we're going to doubt. But Lord, I'm thankful that he had a time and a place in his life, Lord, where he served you and he served you faithfully. Lord, I pray tonight that we would have something burning within our heart, desiring to be used of you in the story you're writing right now in Hattiesburg in the United States of America, that, Father, you would use us as someone, Father, that could serve you through our faith and serve you, Lord, in this place. I pray tonight for every person that's here that something would be stirred inside, that, Lord, we would desire to look beyond ourselves to see what you'd have to do with us in our life and the time that you give us. Bless this invitation tonight. Help us, Lord, just be obedient to whatever it is you desire to do, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen.